um, about, I want to say it was like, I was touring cash, which is just an incredible mm -hmm. survivor organization that is ran by survivors five minutes from the Capitol. It's just an incredible organization. I was touring that and my phone rang and it was Gavin, Governor Gavin Newsom. So I stepped out to take the call and I said, hello, sir. And he says, I'm very disappointed with what happened at public safety. And I said, me too. And um, anyways, and then we talked briefly about something else that wasn't related to the, the subject matter. And then 20 minutes or 15 to 20 minutes later, I saw the tweet that came out from um, Jeremy White, I believe, that said, Governor Gavin Newsom engages in public safety, you know, debacle or whatever it said. And uh, it just shifted. I mean, it, the whole thing shifted. And then the media storm went again berserk. Uh, the speaker got engaged. And then within 24 hours, we were um, in meetings back in committee the next day, Thursday morning, and the bill gets out by the same people who voted it down on Tuesday. All right. Hey, welcome, everybody, to the Quintana Show. Uh, today, we have a really special guest, a good friend of mine and kind of a hero right now in California. It's uh, Senator Shannon Grove from Bakersfield. She's a member of the California State Senate. Um, what year are you in? Your eighth year? You, how long have you been around? Uh, fifth year. Fifth year. Oh, in God. the Senate. Fifth oh, year in the Senate. That's right. I did six years in the Assembly. That's right. And you replaced Kevin McCarthy? Did you replace Kevin? No, Jean Fuller. Oh, she replaced Kevin McCarthy. Yes. That's right. So Shannon represents is the senator, the state senator for the district represented by the current Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. So and that's actually how I first met you. He uh, called me up and said, I got this great candidate I want you to meet, Shannon Grove. She's going to be the next big thing for us. And I did. And I think we've been friends ever since. So it, it, I, it really I can't tell you how much I appreciate you doing this for me today, because this has been a huge 48 hours for you. Um, Shannon is the author that I think a lot of you have probably heard about, um, around the country, Senate bill 14 and Senate bill 14 ostensibly is a very, very simple bill. Um, but in California, nothing is simple. And so Shannon, you want to just give us the brief, like one minute, a minute and a half of what your bill does, what your bill. Yeah, it still does. It's alive. Go ahead. So it just, all it does is make human trafficking, the selling of a minor for sex, a serious felony in the state of California, which increases jail time, get this, after the second felony offense, not the first one in California, it's after the second one. Oh God. Yeah. And so, so in California, we have something called the three strikes law and that was passed, I think in 1994, um, it was proposition 184. And after a series of very high profile, uh, murders, homicides in California by repeat and habitual offenders, um, the people of California rose up and we saw a, we saw a slew, we saw 1020 life, we saw three strikes, we saw a, a real backlash in California against some of these habitual offenders and why they were still on the streets. Uh, for people outside of California, we had a Supreme Court in California up until like the early, late 80s, which was, um, it's called the Rose Bird Court. 
and they really undid a lot of the public uh, the public safety, the pro-law enforcement, the pro-victim uh, cases. And it was a bad era for, for, for uh, public safety in California at that time. And so that's why you suddenly had so many high-profile um, offenses happening, and the people of California just switched. And they said, no, no more. Um, and the legislature would not do anything at that time. And that's why the people went to the ballot. So, but what's happened now is, and I see this playing out with Senator Grove's bill, which is that I find, and Shannon, you tell me if I'm wrong, the real policy argument here isn't necessarily over the sex traffickers. It's over three strikes. They yes. don't want anything to be done to add any more offenses to three strike to be applicable to three for three strikes to be applicable to is that right i mean give me your take yeah that's my take on it too um but you know like i told them in the committee when they gave me that argument you have we all have to agree whether we're democrat independent republican or no party preference we all have to agree that selling children for sex for your financial gain should be a strikeable offense i mean when you look at a serious felony or a serious and violent felony uh, burglary, uh, carjacking, arson, all of those things carry that, but selling a child for sex does not. And California is a hotbed, David. I don't know if you know this, but California is the number one human trafficking state in the nation. And it's just sad. Before you go into that, I, I think there's, there's, there's a precedent, uh, not a precedent. There's a, something that needs to be said before you talk about that, because it leads into what you're going to say. And that is that, so this, this type of trafficking is already a felony and it's uh, punishable by, I believe, four, eight and 12 years before. Yes, eight, four, know, eight and 12 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so, but what happens is that it's hard to prove, right? Because the prosecutor has to prove three, uh, one of three elements, right? And what are those elements? A coercion, duress, and I, I apologize, coercion, duress, and one other element. Um, fraud? Fraud. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And and you're talking about victims who are either young children, right? Mm -hmm. Or they are intimidated because it's a family member, right? Um, or, or a neighbor or someone, right, who, who has a, this position of, of authority, ostensible authority over them. And or so your dad's boss or yeah. yes. And those are hard elements to prove um, in a jury. Right. Again, Senator, you tell me if I'm wrong, but a jury is going to go, ah, we'll split the baby. We'll give them four years. Right. Is that kind of so, what happens? So what normally happens in the cases that we were able to work with, with the um, Alameda County heat unit, uh, former district attorney and uh, Nancy O'Malley established a heat unit first in its in the country, which was victim centered on human trafficking because these individuals are truly victims. She prosecuted 850 cases, and out of those 850 cases, the majority of the people, a large number of the people, would go to be sentenced, traffic a child, be sentenced, or you know, go through the court process, be sentenced to 12 years, and then because of good time credits, discounted, you know, early, you know, good time things that you do in prison, educational credits, they'd be out on the street in four years, and then they would reoffend. And so um, that's the problem that we face in California is, is that they're able, these traffickers, these perpetrators are able to get out of prison without serving their full four, eight, or 12 years. If you're sentenced to 12, you can get out just under four. If you're sentenced to 15, which is described by the district attorney and the prosecutors association, um, like having a, 
a bald eagle and its twin with the baby landing in your backyard. That's a, they said it's very difficult to prosecute those cases. Most of the ones they can get as the highest one is 12 years. And most of those individuals get out in four. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and there's no, there's no way to, to stop them from, um, there's nothing that, uh, the, if they continue to repeat the same crimes, right. Because they're not a serious or violent felony, they, they it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, stack up on them, right? There's no deterrent. Yeah. There's no deterrent. I mean, if they, know they can sell, you, I mean, this is a multi-billion dollar industry. So you could, you know, rack up a couple of hundred million dollars or even more. You get, you know, a group of five kids underneath you and, you know, you sell them 10, 12 times a night. Um, each kid, you know, 500,000 bucks a pop. Uh, it's it's a lucrative industry. And so you go to jail for four years, you come out and you start the whole process over again. And these victims that are left in the in the wake of that is just unconscionable. And the trauma that they carry with them all of their lives is is just they have to deal with it every single day. So my goal is to keep them in prison longer. If they are repeat, my bill specifically focuses on repeat offenders. If you are a repeat offender, I want you to stay in prison longer. That's what my bill does. So, so, um, so now Shannon, now given the history, right now that you've laid out the, the, I'm going to say it, the very, very lenient penalties for, for trafficking a human child for purposes of sex in California, that's why we've become the hub because it's a business decision for these cartels and these other organizations. Of course you go where the, where you stay, where you get the best return on your investment. Right? So is that what we're seeing in California with all the human trafficking? Absolutely. In our poorest borders and we have a large immigrant population that are trafficked. I mean, they really are. If you look at the statistics and the numbers, um, there's a large uh, portion of immigrant population that is trafficked people that are, have been touched by the foster care system, runaways, um, you know, LGBTQ kids, um, transgender kids, uh, but mostly like in Los Angeles on Figueroa Street, numbers show us that uh, 50% of the uh, people walking on Figueroa Street that are, uh, you know, out there, uh, most likely all against their will, I'm not saying everybody is, but most likely against their will, specifically the children, are 50% from the black population and over 70% of the organizations that reach out to these individuals, they say over 70% of these individuals are people of color. Mm -hmm. So the argument that I'm trying to hurt people of color in some of the committee hearings is just absurd. This will be a huge um, win for those in the, that population. Yeah. Don't, don't get me started on that. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. Um, when I hear the legislators, you know, talk about people of color and, Oh, this hurts people of color. And it's, it just, oh, I want to scream because, okay, here I am, a real live people of color, right? As are all of my family. We don't want this shit. Like, no, like this, these people take people from our communities, right? And when they're released early, they come back into our communities. So it's actually the opposite. It is hurting people of color, but they're called victims. They're not called perpetrators. So yeah, I, you are, ugh, I, you struck a nerve with me because I could scream every time I hear someone say that. And they think that this, they have found a way to flip the word victim on its head, right? And they and they have reclassified the perpetrators as the victims in this state. And it, no, it's the other way. There are there are victims who are people of color, but they're the ones living in their home, trying to make an honest living and getting their kids to school so they can have a better life. You're absolutely right. And you know, if you watch the testimony of my witness Odessa Perkins from Empowerment, she is a, a just a beautiful black woman that was trafficked when she was seven years old. 
And when the conversation came back about, you know, mass incarcerations and increasing incarceration rates, you have a, an incredible, uh, just a wonderful survivor story of, of what happened to her in her childhood, a now author, speaker, interventionist. And I, I won't say it as good as she does, but I'll try to get the message across. She looked right at that committee and she goes, I hear your story. I hear your arguments of mass incarceration of black and brown people. Let me tell you something. When I was seven years old, I had black, brown, white, Asian. She just went on about grown men all over my, my innocent body. So I don't care what color they are. You have to start protecting people like me. I mean, it was beautiful how she just responded to them, just like you. When you, you know, when you responded to that comment, um, we included murdered and missing Indigenous people in our bill because there is a high, very, very high number of murdered and Indigenous women and girls that are missing yeah. in this state. And when they yeah. find them, they're trafficked. Well. <laughs> Well, let's let's get into the politics of this, because I so I have been lobbying for about 25 years. And what I have noticed is in the past 25 years, the public safety committees in both houses have been completely stacked so that the only things that get out are those things which really don't do anything for victims, but in some way are watered down. Or they will, you know, do something to protect um, the the perpetrators. If people in California only knew what happens in the Senate and Assembly Public Safety Committees in this state, and I think for a brief moment, Shannon, you pulled the curtain back, and the people of California, for a brief moment, were able to see, like, what the hell? This is the public safety committee of our legislature, but this has been going on for 20 years. That's why if you look at Cal at San Francisco, that's why it looks like that, right? That's why if you look downtown, when you come to the Capitol every day to go to work, that's why that street looks like that because of what these public safety committees have done. But for the first time, people of California are seeing it. So what's your experience been with this committee this year? The same you just described, right? The same you described. And it's not just Republican bills, it's Democrat bills. Yes. It's, 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 a, it's a bipartisan committee when you think about killing bills. There have been great Democrat bills coming across that public safety committee for either, you know, uh, rape of an unconscious woman, domestic violence, um, rape of a disabled person, uh, fentanyl bills, you oh, know, all to the fentanyl bills, all fentanyl, all fentanyl to make, you know, dealers accountable. Mm -hmm and all of these bills, and they're just dying in these public safety committees. And when you said that for this brief moment, this curtain was um, removed so that the people could see, I, I am so honored to be a part of that statement. And the reason why is because you're right, for a brief moment, the, every media station in the state of California, mm -hmm. I believe, has covered this in some way, shape, or form. It's all over social media. The people of California rose up, and because of that, we had the situation that happened on Thursday. Mm -hmm. So how did that go down on Thursday for people outside of California? Um, the bill, Shannon's bill, which again, very simple thing, make child sex trafficking a serious felony so that certain, you know, certain rules apply to it and people don't walk after two years. Um, the bill was killed, right? The bill was killed um, for these red herring reasons. Oh, no, we want the bill to be perfect. Oh, we, we don't want other people to be caught up in this, right? Um, but the bill was killed, right? It, it was killed. Mm -hmm. It was killed. It got out of the Senate public safety and off the Senate floor. It got up at the other, the upper house. It got out of there with 40 votes. I didn't have one no vote and one extension. Every senator in the state of California supported this bill. 
Then we get to the Public Safety Committee on Tuesday, where Reggie John Sawyer in the Los Angeles area is the chair, where we have all these problems going through public safety, and the bill dies. Uh, he said, um, you know, he couldn't support the bill, and they it just died. And so I walked out of there um, with victims had traveled, you know, hundreds of miles to come up and celebrate this day because no one, no one, not even the media. When I interviewed with several media, I mean, they go, we didn't even go to the committee. We it was it got out as a Senate 40. Oh, we never thought, you know, you narrowed it. It only is this one specific thing. And and um, so nobody really understood what happened. And um, the victims were crying. We consoled everybody. We talked. We said we gave it our best shot. And basically, as the Republican and the super minority, I kind of walked away Tuesday and said, wow, that's a shame. That So usually that's where the story ends. The story ends is a Republican comes into committee with this great crime, crime, public safety bill, right? The real public safety, the public safety that the people think is public safety. And their bill dies or the bill's not heard. And they just walk out and go, hey, guys, sorry. It is what it is. That's the world we live in. That didn't happen this time. It what didn't. happened? So I thought the bill was dead. Finished out my day, went home, cried to my husband on the phone, had a couple of glasses of wine, went to bed. And then my phone started blowing up at like 1.30 in the morning. And then by the time 5.30 in the morning rolled around, I got up and responded to a couple of people. 5.30 in the morning rolled around. It was a, it was a media firestorm. Uh, I, I think it was Aton Wallace that got it out first and um, Ashley Zavala. And then it just went, it went all over Instagram, social media, media outlets everywhere about how the public safety committee took a position to not allow human traffickers of selling sex, selling our children for sex in California to be a serious felony. And I think even Elon Musk tweeted, what do you mean? Yes. It's not a serious right. felony. Um, right. Gosh, there were, 20 of high, there were tons of high profile people that text or tweeted and got this out there for us, including all the media and every Californian that kept sharing the information. And then, um, about, I want to say it was like, I was touring cash, which is just an incredible mm -hmm. survivor organization that is ran by survivors five minutes from the Capitol. It's just an incredible organization. I was touring that and my phone rang and it was Gavin, governor Gavin Newsom. So I stepped out to take the call and I said, hello, sir. And he says, I'm very disappointed with what happened at public safety. And I said, me too. And um, anyways, and then we talked briefly about something else that wasn't related to the, the subject matter. And then 20 minutes or 15 to 20 minutes later, I saw the tweet that came out from um, Jeremy White, I believe, that said, Governor Gavin Newsom engages in public safety, you know, debacle or whatever it said. And uh, it just shifted. I mean, it, the whole thing shifted. And then the media storm went again, berserk. Uh, the speaker got engaged. And then within 24 hours, we were um, in meetings back in committee the next day, Thursday morning, and the bill gets out by the same people who voted it down on Tuesday. And I've been there since 2010. You've been there for 25 years. I've never seen that happen. I have never ever seen this happen you are a hero you're on you're honestly a bona fide hero um for these poor victims and the parents of these victims like i have never seen this shannon ever again usually the story ends with the republican walking out or the democrat walking out with their head you know down and going oh well we gave it a shot you know that's how it is 
But no, it didn't happen this time. And I'm wondering if this is a harbinger for something new in California, where now that that curtain, you pulled that, you know, honestly, Tom Umberg pulled it back a little bit too. There's a senator in California named Senator Tom Umberg from Orange County. And he had a bill that would, it had kind of the same things that, well, it's about fentanyl for fentanyl. It was about fentanyl. It was just a warning too. So you... Yeah, it was a warning. So you're a drug dealer, you sell fentanyl and someone dies and you sell, you know, a thousand pills and you're in possession of a high number of pills and you, you, and someone dies. Then if you get arrested, if you, when you get arrested because somebody died, the judge is going to say, if you do this again, there is a good possibility you're going to be prosecuted for murder. And they killed that bill. It was a warning, like a warning, like don't sell fentanyl, kill people or you're going to be prosecuted as murder. It's crazy. I couldn't believe I was watching this. And I felt so bad for the parents that marched up to that microphone during the Umberg hearing and had pictures of their kids that had died because they thought they were taking a sweet tart or they thought they were smoking a joint or, you know what I mean? They didn't go out intending to use fentanyl, but it's a poison. It's not a drug. It's a poison. And that bill died. And so that was the first time that I've had anyone outside of the political world come up to me or come up to someone I know, like my wife, and go, hey, man, why did the Capitol kill that bill on fentanyl? Don't they know what's happening in the world? And so he kind of did it a little bit. So I'm going to tell you a story, real quick story. So someone I know is flying to Idaho and um, they're in the, you know, they're sitting there and then a seat apart from them is a doctor from California. And the doctor, he works, he said he works in California, but he has a home in Idaho, right? And so, you know, this person says, well, really? Why do you, why do you live in Idaho, but work in California? He's like, because that state is run by the criminals. Like, not that the legislators are criminals, but the criminals, right? He goes, do you see the streets of San Francisco? Like, it's crazy. I'm not going to live there. And then he said to this person, have you heard about that bill that uh, makes it legal for child sex trafficking? <laughs> I was like, okay, Shannon's made it. Here's some dude who's not even not even involved in the system, right? And he's heard of this because that's how crazy these public safety committees have become in California. No, I mean you're absolutely right, and and you know kudos to Senator Umberg for still continuing the fight and. It's just it's just crazy when you think about like like let's just take Alvarado Gill had a had a, a a bill that says it would be a felony again a serious felony to rape an unconscious person the premise being you can't say no you can't say yes either but you have to say no um, but you're unconscious and so um, she, that's a Democrat she's a Democrat and she got it to public safety and they made her force amends that is ridiculous I mean they're ridiculous amendments. Um, I won't explain it technically correctly, but basically, if you have a partner, as long as you you drug her and the other person rapes her or the person, and then the next week they drug her and you rape her, as long as you don't commit both of those acts together as one per, you know, as one person doesn't commit both of those acts, then it's not considered a felony. Does that make sense? (laughs) It doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't make sense, but I'm telling you as a Republican Mm -hmm. and you know, I'm one of the most conservative Republicans on the state Senate floor. And even when you have Democrats that are that are very, very progressive Democrats and middle of the road Democrats, they still face the same they do. frustrating issues that we do with the public that I do mm-hmm. or my caucus does with the public safety committee. This is not my bill has almost 52 co-authors. <laughs> I have I have I have Democrat co-author. I have Senator Wahab 
the chair of public safety in the Senate, and I have Senator Bradford. Scott Weiner voted for my bill from San Francisco. I I have co-authors. I have 52 co-authors, and they killed the bill. Well, it got re resurrected, but still. Yeah. Now they killed it. They killed it. And I, I think the reason that they gave for killing it is that it would criminalize. I mean, this honestly, I mean, we know that they would have killed it regardless, but the reason that they gave for the record is that, oh, well, this is going to be over-inclusive, right? And it's going to criminalize people who have been victims, but that's why it's a serious felony, not a violent felony, because serious allows that discretion, right? Or no. Allows discretion, allows for vacature and affirmative defense. And you have to remember that my bill doesn't take place until after the second offense, right? So you sell a child for sex, you get arrested, you have a fel you have a you have a felony, not a serious felony, but you have a felony on your record, you get sentenced to twelve years, you get out in four, you get out, and then you go burn somebody's house down and, and somebody dies in the fire, it's considered arson or whatever. You go to prison. You get, you know, 12 years or 15 years, you get out in five, then you come back out and you sell a child again. That's when my bill takes a place. You know, my my bill that on the after the second offense, you're going to get a strike and you are not getting out until you've served your full term. Now, I think I took amendments to satisfy Californians, you know, the legislative body that narrowed this bill so narrow. It only applies to children. I fought and fought and fought for at least um, transition, transitional youth, 18 to 25, um, because, you know, 18 year olds, they don't make these decisions, you know, to go out and do this on their own. They're like, you know, the argument was, oh, they're adults. No, they're not. Even some adults don't make this decision on their own, but we move the football a little bit. And, um, I think everybody, like I said, whether doesn't matter what party, doesn't matter who you are, you can agree that selling children for sex should be a serious felony. It gave every avenue of exit for somebody if, uh, you know, there's a perfect case of an individual who was in opposition of the bill, who was a, a trafficked victim and then criminalized under the, the criminal justice system. Um, that person, uh, 20 years ago, it was called the bottom, which is a horrible, horrible term. But that person, you know, either recruited or acted on behalf of not behalf of the pimp, but did what she was told. Right. Well, that person's under duress. She's not freely going out there and, you know, making other girls have sex with people. She's it, she's doing it in survival mode. And so we took every amendment that every expert told me about um, that would prevent that from her being wrapped up in this situation again. And talking to Nancy O'Malley out of those 850 cases, the largest human trafficking unit in the entire nation, that particular heat unit in, in Alameda County. They had only charged one uh, woman in that position that was, you know, trafficked, but under duress. And then like three weeks into it, they they took the charges away and understood that she was really a victim. Right. That seems, that seems like that seems like a complete red herring argument. I completely agree with you. Um, so how did the victims take it when they heard that the bill was dead? Because they were all sitting in there. Right. How did that go? They, it was like an emotional, because I have to tell you, to be honest with you, it blindsided me too. So it blindsided them. If I was, if I would have prepared, um, I met with, uh, I met with the majority of the members of the public safety committee. We sent out emails to all of them, but the ones that accepted appointments, obviously the two Republicans, um, you know, we knew they were okay. We spoke to them. Um, they were supportive of the bill, but I met with Ms. Ortega, Mr. Zabur, and then um, uh, Mr. Bryant, Assembly Member Bryant. And um, they didn't commit, but they they were very, I get it, 
uh, this is a huge issue. I mean, Rob Bonta, the attorney general, puts it out that, and I was using his statement left and right because he said it should be a serious or violent felony. He never endorsed the bill, but I used that statement. Um, I used some statements the governor had made in the past. So I think everybody, regardless of party, agreed. And when it fell flat-footed in Reggie Jones-Sawyer's committee, I just, uh, it was uh, very difficult to accept. And they were crying. They couldn't believe it. They didn't understand it. Um, they, it was, it was uh, incomprehensible, right? You know, you have, I had a mom there whose daughter is uh, in severe trauma mode now. Um, and she got a ding, just like your phone goes on a text message. And she opens it and it's a video. So she clicks on it and it's several men gang raping her daughter. And that was her daughter's initiation into sex trafficking, 14 years old. And they voted, and they voted against that woman. So I, I just, and the overwhelming stories that you hear, and David, you know me, this is the hardest bill I've ever researched. I can never unsee the horrific things I've seen researching this bill and trying to get it right. And um, I just, you know, I, you know, I pray God give us favor. We get it out of appropriations to the assembly floor as is, no amendments, send it to the governor's desk. And I really do believe the governor will sign it. I'm not speaking for him, but I really do believe he will sign it. So in the, in the couple of minutes that you have left, what are the next steps for this? I know that Reggie Jones-Sawyer, the chairman of that committee has come out and said, well, hey, you know, we, we need, that bill still needs work. Have they lost the leverage on that? Do you, what, what are your thoughts? I don't know if it still needs work. Why do you vote for it? Why do you get it out of this committee, right? After killing it on Tuesday and getting it out and then immediately going on camera, well, it still needs work. Well, why didn't we fix it in your committee? Um, so I think that, like I said, the media pressure really got to them. It's not very often the media pulls back that, or, you know, it's not very often the curtain gets pulled back and media goes, oh my gosh, looks what's happening. And then mobilizes the massive amount of people that was mobilized because of it. Um, so it goes to the bill itself goes to appropriations next. The governor did allocate $25 million in this space. I have no doubt that funds can be allocated. Um, uh, what's good about the appropriations committee, I believe that 10, we need 11 votes. And I think 10 um, members of that committee are co-authors on this bill, both Democrat and Republican. But we still need a couple of more votes in that committee to, to be sure. And um, then it would go to the assembly floor where we have over 50 co-authors. I'm not you know, it only takes 41 to get it passed. So the co-authors would have to, you know, not vote for a bill that they're authoring. So, so I'd be, I, if I get it to the assembly floor, we'll be pretty safe. Here we go. Senator Grove, I can honestly say in 25 years of lobbying, this is the first time I've ever seen anything like this. And I must give you credit. I also would like to give credit to a reporter for Channel 3, Ashley Zavala. That woman is oh my gosh. Fearless. Fearless, one of the first reporters I've seen that actually reports and is not afraid to be disinvited from cocktail parties. She is like in there. She she is my hero. She, she is. If she, I believe that her and Aton Wallace started this media firestorm, she is just she was my hero. Her yeah. and Aton, they did such a great job. I I really do. Yeah. I they're awesome. All all I I really I tried to get her on the show, but she can't do anything out of her 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 network. So. Um, but I got to give big praise to Ashley Zavala with Channel 3 in Sacramento and then the governor and Robert Rivas, because, you know, previous speakers would have ignored something like this and previous governors would have said, hey, you know, that's not my problem. Maybe potentially running for president is one of the best things that has happened to California in a long time because Kevin Newsom is doing some good stuff like this. He, um, you know, but, you know, I have to tell you, like I said, when I was in leadership, we worked on things together. So mm -hmm. he... Um, 
I don't, I think it's funny. I think he thinks I'm bipolar because I'm like yelling and screaming at him in one text and then like, hey, sir, great job. Thank you for that help. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's an odd relationship, but I can tell you that, um, that I was very, I really was very pleased that he came out in, in support of this. And I'm very pleased that the, the new speaker made contact um, as well. And uh, I am very grateful for every single co-author and every single person that voted for this bill, regardless of party. I'm thankful that they saw the policy for what it was. Yeah. Well, great, great job, um, Senator Grove and everything. My my best wishes to you and to all of those people, all of those witnesses that attended on behalf of yours. I hope that they are like crying, but out of, you know, tears of happiness now. And let's just uh, hope that you can get this across the finish line. But it sounds like you have everything set up to do so. I hope so. It's not, we can't give up. We still have to get through appropriations. I've been there before. Um, (laughs) But thank you for taking the time out of your super busy day to be with us. And um, thank you again. And hope to see you soon. Thank you, David, so much. And congratulations on the podcast. Oh, thank you, man. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. Hey, if you like what you hear, like and subscribe. It really means a lot. And we would love to have you coming back every week. Thank you.